Welcome to the Outcast Trading Podcast. They're losers. They're just losers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Outcast Trading Podcast. Welcome back. My name is Ebox. On the panel this week, uh, we have a, a large panel uh, with us. Uh, we have Kua. Hey. We have uh, special guest Wise. Good afternoon. We have uh, Leo. What's up? We have Hav. I'm not here. Hava. Hava. Something like that. Uh, and we have Samani. Hey. Great. And uh, as always, reach out to us on Twitter at our Twitter handle at Outcast Trading. Ping us with a question or uh, other comments. Or if you want to join the conversation, go to our website, outcast.trading, where you can join our Discord server and join the conversation that way. So um, uh, a lot of stuff to cover this week, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, you know, as we go closer to the election, we're what, two weeks, two and a half weeks away from the election now? Uh, we're starting to see um, still kind of a bullish run. Although, I mean, if you discount the last 15 minutes, last 10 minutes of Friday, uh, still pretty bullish this, uh, this week. Uh, who, who made money? Oh, I had one of the best weeks of the year. Came out even. I had a great week. How about Hertz? Hertz. Hertz. Hertz, Hertz, Hertz was crazy. I, I didn't play Hertz. I, I saw a lot of the activity around Hertz. But as we were talking about a little bit ago in the green room, what was the the craze around Hertz? Like, uh, the, the the you know, it, it was it was in Chapter Eleven bankruptcy or Chapter Seven. Uh, you were talking about Kua, uh, but I mean this this was a this was a fifty um, percent jump, really hundred percent. No, it was like one hundred and fifty percent. It was wow. a two hundred and fifty percent trade for me. Wow! So yeah, uh, what what really precipitated that? I mean, we had a couple other runners today or this week uh, that that kind of uh, had some wild price action. I know Zoom was crazy. Uh, I uh, I rode a little bit of Zoom, sold a little too early, but uh, but I mean five sixty Zoom is is wild. Um, so uh, and- to try to take a crack into the whole Hertz thing. Um, we have to go back to a little bit right before the pandemic. Um, the company had changed their business model in the sense where it wasn't really operating like the other companies where they actually kind of like own the vehicles. They drive them to hell for a year and then they auction them out. And that way they don't have to be spending a lot of money into maintenance or repairs since they keep their fleet with average new cars. They were actually going directly to the manufacturer and leasing cars. So now you're kind of like on alone, right? And then you're driving that car to hell for like a year or two and then just, you know, throwing it out in the market again. And, you know, somebody, you know, one of their quants <laughs> must have ran the numbers and thought that maybe that was a good business decision and risk. And the stock had been coming down for, you know, a long time, but then the pandemic hit and it just made everything worse. And yeah. obviously, uh, it was one of the pandemic plays towards the downside, and a lot of people rode that shit all the way down to forty cents, and it was it was great. I was one of the degenerates that did that too. Um, and then some people played the the upside, a little bit of the upside from forty cents there for a couple of seconds to a dollar something, and then the eighty 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 cent channel. The thing was that essentially, then the risk um, becomes 
you know, unmanageable, right? Because you can have all the TA in the world, but there's this thing called fundamentals. And when the fundamentals start kicking in, then you need to go like, hey, this probably is a bad idea and let me just get out. And that's what a right. lot of people did, right? And that's why the stock traded like a barcode, you know, around a dollar or 90 cents, you know, for months. Uh, but every time there would be news, it would pop because... Um, as many of you know, just because you're doing Chapter 7 or Chapter 13, whichever it was that they're, or 11, whichever there was that they were trying to restructure their debt through, that doesn't mean that the company, you know, is just going away. Um, it just means that these, in our system, economic system, these legalities exist to give opportunity to individuals or companies to, you know, move ahead. So when the judge allowed it because it didn't notice that the company did necessarily anything illegal to go into one of the chapters and restructure their debt, it popped again, right, in the summer. But in the last couple of weeks, they've just gone completely silent. But there was a lot of options activity. So that told me and a, and a lot of other folks that, hey, you know what, maybe maybe this is um, something that could be moving here in the future. And October, at least for me and a lot of my institutional investor friends, it's a really good time to reconsider after the September massacre, your longs. And when I mean longs, I mean like 2021 longs, you know, maybe buying leaps, et cetera. So, you know, I got in on, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. And then the Friday pop happened when they actually secured uh, a one point something billion dollars for the refinancing. So guess what? That means that they're going to try to open their doors they're going to try probably do some changes in the company to, you know, bring it out of, you know, hell. Right, so right. I'm um, not interested in holding it long term, but I wanted to play that. And I took a little bit off the top and I plan on holding still for for a little bit to see if there is more upside because it would be crazy to, you know, going into a trade at five cents to not try to hold, you know, um, into maybe possibly even pre-COVID range of $17. So I'm really right. curious of what's going to happen, but I'm also not hopeful. This is just Hava? a gambling play. Yeah. Hava, did you have something? You had your hand up. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I think a lot of us saw the, uh, you know, whatever app you're on, there was some unusual options activity for Hertz for uh, 1123.5 calls. Um, and, you know, you, you knew they had to get something eventually, like, like who said, like they're not going to go under. So, um, you know, they were going to figure out a way to sell into their debt, you know? Um, and when you see the unusual options activity, you're like, Oh, someone knows something that I don't. <laughs> and uh, right. you follow it in. And, uh, yeah, right. I left the play too, but, um, I was surprised it recovered actually. Um, why is it still in the play? And I was expecting it to just sell off the whole day, but, uh, people might actually have faith in Hertz. So, well, Why is what you, you know, think of it. <laughs> it's one of these things that just like confuses the hell out of me. It's like this is you know rental car. It, you know, it's just to me like in the category of like cruise ships. They're in in Corona in the lens of Corona. It just is like, wh how does this even work? You know, and I, I think someone was saying. I think Kua, you were making the point on uh, our Discord about if you're not you know in this extended period here. Here we have. Western Europe getting hit second wave big time. I mean, Paris, France, they're doing like potential lockdowns again. You know, as we see second wave again, we're not really seeing 
we're seeing potential signs of of a next spring or next summer vaccine, but I mean nothing in the near next five or six months. So, I mean, and you're, if your business is not like Corona ready, I I just don't see the like you know where this goes or where rental cars go. I mean, I guess pub, you know consumers are having Corona fatigue and they're just saying fuck it. But like I I don't know what wise what, what do you got to say on this? Yeah, uh, I mean, we kind of two things there. I mean, with Hertz, um, I made a play with Hertz um, back in late May, early June, because they didn't file Chapter 7. Chapter 7 is your your hands are up and you're saying, look, just take it all. Just don't kill me. Uh, But that's not what Hertz is doing. They're they're delaying until they get out of COVID. I mean, there's definitely going to be some restructuring and some and some restraints. But all it takes is a little glimmer of hope to make a lot of money um, off a very small investment. And that's what is happening now. Like you mentioned, I, I haven't sold out yet. Um, I've been in the play for a week or two, but I will be leaving probably next week. Um, I don't see this jumping up, you know, over 10 bucks or anything, but it's, it's an easy way to milk some money, but also tying into the travel aspect of it. Uh, you know, my whole portfolio is basically travel not because I expect a return tomorrow or the you know within the next six months, but people are ready to get out. I mean, it it shows. People are out at bars and restaurants, and they want to do something. And I I know several people who are ready to buy cruises. And when you go on cruises and vacation, you're going to need to rent cars. So it's it's more of delaying than giving up, and that's that's the big thing. But also, people need to realize with these things there's a lot of risk. Um, bondholders are more important than shareholders. So don't hold forever hoping for like a 20, $30 stock price in a couple months. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely am seeing that perspective too. Like I mentioned, COVID fatigue, I think is definitely, you know, kind of happening and we're seeing people just kind of, yeah. I mean, I think it was an interesting t- statistic. I was reading about national parks the uh, towards the latter portion of the summer. Uh, some of the parks in the country saw some of their biggest numbers in years. And I think that's just like, People are saying, okay, what is an activity that just gets me out of the house, you know? And, uh, and I think that even is, is, uh, touching on rental cars. So, you know, maybe I have a myopic view of, of, of the situation with, with Hertz and, and rental cars, but, you know, I, th- I think that's a good perspective with even cruises too. So, um, I actually want to second on what, um, Weiss was saying. Uh, but before that, I think, um, Leo wanted to add something, right? Oh, yeah. Leo, you have your hand up. Hey, what's up? Yeah, um, yeah. I just posted a chart. I don't know if you guys want to see it for Hertz in the uh, on the board. Yeah, I was looking it. at that. Yeah, yeah. So I was just thinking, like, I could probably play it this week if it uh, if it um, what's it called? If it holds two thirty-five, I'll probably play some weeklies on it just to try to catch some momentum. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, congrats on you guys for uh, catching that Hertz play. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I wanted to add to what Y said. I'm I'm thinking about also like taking more off the top if it keeps moving. Um, the thing is, is that my risk management um, philosophy is that you 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 put your risk management depending on the trade. You just don't pick one risk management philosophy and go into any into every trade with the same risk management you know level. And my risk management level for this one was that, hey, you know what? I'm putting this money in and my risk management is I'm expecting it to lose it all. 
Um, you know, you can call me a gambling addict from back in the day. Every now and then I'll make plays like these just to like scratch my gambler's itch. But that's why I was okay with um, still holding um, for a little bit. And, and that's why I didn't sell everything, you know, on Friday, on the, on the Friday push. Well, so I, the... what I'm trying to say is that I don't recommend people to trade like this. I'm just saying that my risk management was expectation was zero coming out. No, yeah. no, sure. It was almost like a lotto for you, right? Excuse me, sir. It was like a lotto play. It maybe, but it, there was some forethought put into it. There was some effort sure. put to it on the, you know, fundamental side. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And lottery players like that are pretty normal in an active trading portfolio. One thing I want to mention though, is the um, Hertz and rental car companies are a lot different than cruise ships and, and other travel companies where you're, you're traveling a, in a small space by yourself or with one other person that's intimate to you rather than a uh, clustered on a ship or clustered in an airplane. Um, so in terms of COVID response, it has to do with the overall travel market. But I've noticed a lot of people recently are renting cars to go travel to um, go on road trips, mm-hmm. go to parks, parks all, all, all different types of stuff, especially as people are either laid off or they have more freedom to work from home or work from hotel rooms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> all right. So kind of switching, uh, switching gears here. I wanted to talk about, uh, I talked about, I mentioned how close we are to the election. And if you, if, I, I feel like, you know, almost redundant in saying this, if you haven't already registered to vote, go and register to vote right now and uh, just get ready uh, in your state, wherever you might be, to uh, for the uh, American audience. I know we might have some people from uh, out of the country, but uh, yes, please do that. Uh, but you know, something interesting that came up on what was it Thursday or Friday? This Hunter Biden Twitter thing. Uh, did anyone see this? I'm sure most of people most people saw this. What what yes. what, what what was this about? Uh, I, I only caught a. Yeah, you know. I'm a this little. Nancy, I, I just want to preface that. So this has been kind of a building, a buildup for the past what two, three, four years, uh, yep. where social media companies and tech companies have been attempting to block out or or fact check um, news uh, and anything that people people post that may incite riots or incite violence or incite um, conspiracy theorists that that kind of take over a section of their platform and they want to kind of control that. Um, so this is sort of a, a child of 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 that um, algorithm modification that these tech giants and and social media companies are are putting together. And so Twitter has been sort of on the forefront of of the political side of of this, and as as well as Facebook. And so when um, this story came out about Hunter Biden, um, they decided to try to contain it before it it kind of ran amok, and at least before we we fully understand stood the, 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 the facts behind the, um, the, 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 what, what was it? A Washington post article that had come out. I think it, from, from what I had heard about it, it was in Washington near, post article. New York times. times. The, okay. New post. Not. Oh, right. Oh, Cause Washington post. New York, New New York, York post. post. No, your post actually. You're right. Your post. New York, New York post. Okay. So significantly different journalistic standards there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was a New York Post article, and so it was removed. Uh, it was posted to Twitter uh, on what New York Post's web uh, Twitter account, or who who posted it? Might have been like retweeted or something. I don't know. And then retweeted. It was 
It know. was removed by Twitter administratively. So it, it, from my understanding, it wasn't actually removed from the platform. It was labeled as potentially dangerous and um, or, or unverified. What the fuck? And so it was blocked from being clicked, which is dangerous on, on some other levels with, with respect to free speech, because you, you, you can see other corners of, of Twitter where much more egregious actions, much more egregious content is, is actively being posted and talked about. Yeah, it's not censored. You, know, you just go on Twitter and you can no, just look at porn like right now. Like, it doesn't make right, sense. Exactly. <laughs> and, and not just like standard porn. I mean, you you, you, you can see some, some stuff that yeah. you don't even want to. Full on um, shit. You would, yeah, you, you would never want to look, look at yourself. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the the, the, the uh, interesting thing here is that it, it caught the attention of President Trump, it caught the attention of a lot of um, high-level political leaders, and now there's even more question on how much power do these social media companies have, and will there be regulations in the near future if Trump if Trump is elected or if Biden is elected um, to start regulating how these platforms can decide what users can and cannot see, and so that may have an effect on the on the um, user base. I know there, there are a lot of these side, uh, secondary platforms that are popping up with um, with the intent of free speech and with the intent that, that there would be less censoring and less um, less focus on money and ad res- revenue. So how, how are those platforms gonna affect the, the, the traffic to these larger tech companies like, like Facebook, Google, and, and Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. Especially as regulations come out. Well, I mean, I I know that this has been a try, and I see uh, Kua, Wise, and Hava, you you got your hand up. Uh, uh, um, I I know that this has attracted the ire of conservatives for a long time now. I mean, Facebook, I think, uh, which is so ironic because, you know, if you think about Facebook, it's just almost, (laughs) it's run so much, there's so many conservative, uh, you know, just uh, there's so much conservative misinformation. QAnon, that whole QAnon thing, is is entirely, almost entirely propped up by by Facebook, uh, re, you know, shares and and misinformation and crap that goes out. But uh, you know, I, I I think this 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 whole uh, uh, this whole conservative argument that you know who is the who, who watches the Watchmen, who makes the rule? Okay, so Twitter deems this you know shade of 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 uh, an idea as inappropriate or they're going to put a banner on this but you know who is making those rules and and this has so much of a an impact on the social conscious because there's so many eyeballs on this and i i think that's what you know the angle that they're they're coming from so i i think it has an interesting perspective as you were talking about smanny about you know how this impacts these companies and and you know twitter facebook specifically and and what what this means for for uh, regulation um so i i'm not sure if uh, kua or wise uh you had your hand up first so let's just go with kua um, I'm actually glad that that conversation got brought up, and I want you guys to notice how when the conversation started, the the muddy of the waters that it was. Like, people weren't sure who said what, when they said this, et cetera, like if it was verified, et cetera. That is exactly the same BS that we uh, saw going into the last elections and what started the whole fake news meme and stuff like that. And we were actually having a strategy meeting on Friday at work, and we were talking about this. And 
we said uh, how emotions, we were talking about emotions, how, how they're in all time highs. And, and you see it even on the consumer index, right? Like people are desperate to go out and, you know, get on those sales and buy, et cetera, because people are just, they're, they're tired, they're emotional, et cetera. And all this information or lack of information or misinformation or confusion can really steer people in the wrong direction. And I want to bring it back and then say, how does this apply to like our markets and our trading? You have to be really careful, in my opinion, of what is noise and what is actually market moving news. There's a lot of people that are still bearish on a lot of stuff, for example. And all you have to do is zoom out on your spy chart and go like, why the hell are you trading bearish? We've literally had a massive run up. There's been picking of winners and losers. So when you hear all this news, it's good to cover it. It's good to digest it. But at the same time, you then need to go like, do I want to put it in the pocket of noise or do I want to put it, put it in the pocket of like market moving? And I think the point that Smanti brought with um, regulations and who puts in the rules and stuff like that could be a possible mover for that sector. But I don't think it's going to affect the market or a sentiment overall. And there's a lot of opportunities and companies that are positioned themselves, leveraged into technology to grow in an endemic situation. Because I don't think COVID is a pandemic anymore. It's endemic. It's just part of life. And if you're not leveraged into it, you're not into technology, you're just not going to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wise, uh, what do you got? Uh, yeah, and I'm glad you brought it back to the market. Um, because what I was going to say is, you know, our founding fathers never envisioned Facebook and Reddit and Twitter and how much influence they have on, you know, something that really wasn't as popular a stock market back then, um, or maybe the first stock market was 1800s. Um, it's important just to tread the waters lightly. I mean, they said the, it's funny that this is happening similar to the last election, you know, a couple weeks, couple days before the election. And how how much do we I don't know censor or monitor these these platforms for misinformation and censorship because it does it has a huge impact on our political environment both domestically and internationally and also just the global stock market as well. Um, it's it's a tough subject and it'll actually be extremely interesting to see how it unfolds and what impact it has on you know certain tech stocks as well well i think that's a very important point about how how these changes come about really do affect and can sway and has have, have the potential to sway you know the election and then how that has the sway to affect the markets so it's it's uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to see haba uh what, what do you got i don't know if it'll happen anytime soon but uh you know, we all thought uh, MySpace was going to be around forever, right? Um, it, it only takes enough of these events. If, if there's ever, I mean, I don't know if you guys use Twitter, but the interface is just like the worst thing that ever existed. And I haven't used it for the longest time until recently because I was just forced into it to be like up on the news and shit. And if enough people got sick of however Twitter hand, handled themselves for whatever reason, and there was finally a comparable user base and interface that was you know an improvement you know the the internet is not uh it's not a building it's not um 
the resources you control. Uh, I'm just waiting. Eventually, someone's going to make Twitter and Facebook hurt really bad, especially as they're forced to get more political the bigger they grow. And then you're going to have the Wild Wild West one come up from the underground again until it gets big enough that it's forced to be political. But that, you know, keep an eye out. I don't know. Like, eventually someone's got to challenge these people, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I was just I was thinking of a point I was going to make and uh, I, I was struggling uh, before. Uh, Kua, you made a good point about the Twitter or no, it was the uh, Relva, Relevation last uh, election in 16. The FBI uh, had made about, you know, Hillary's emails. And I know how big of a story that was. And I'm just I'm you know, I'm kind of like putting that into perspective as well about like, you know, is is are are some of these kind of leading up to a moment like that? I mean, something like this that was happening so close to the election. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I, uh, I don't I don't want to say. I would rely, rather avoid saying something like controversial because I know that our channel is our this medium is not about politics. But all I have to say is that you know Comey Comey came a couple of days before the election and said that there was still an investigation open. And I think for, you know, people that were undecided or swing voters and stuff like that, that that was like a massive catalyst to maybe change their minds on who they were voting. At least for me, yeah. you know, I think it, it was, you know, I think it was. But at the end of the day, to to, you know, beat the dead horse on the Twitter and social media conversation and, you know, agree with some of our friends here, um, you know, who decides what platform is going to be the best, the user experience usually determines that, determines that. But at the same time, I think this noise that we're hearing about, you know, um, social media companies in Capitol Hill, it's just that it became the thing. It became the thing where I get brownie points from my base because I'm standing up for my base. I think it's they're just being a punching bag. And at the yeah. end of the day, the regulators and the politicians really don't care because is it really the company's fault or is it the user's fault, the stuff that is said in the platform? And I know right. that sounds really controversial, but I don't know. Facebook has become like the punching bag of Capitol Hill and their users keep growing and their ads keep growing and their platform keeps getting better. So eh, yeah. I, I still put it on my pocket of just noise. Right, right. Leo, what do you got? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't really like hear the whole story behind how everything was dropped, like how, how the information got dropped on Twitter from the New York Post. So I was like reading it earlier. And I don't know if you guys heard that it was like hacked supposedly from Hunter Biden's uh, computer um, that was provided by Trump's lawyer, uh, Rudy Giuliani. And then because they couldn't like verify that it was from that computer, like some, it was like a Twitter algorithm that automatically just flagged it. And then with his name, Dorsey comes out yesterday morning and was like, we're going to like do better going forward and try to like, you know, improve our policies with verification and whatnot or whatever, some shit like that. And then I guess that's interesting to know. Yeah, I, I heard that as well. Like Dorsey was like, I don't know, contacted or had some had some uh, had some hand in it. Maybe that was fake news or speculation or, or just you know, know. other. But yeah, I heard I heard something re relating to Dorsey as well. Yeah. So uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, let's see. I think Wise and Insmanny. Yeah, it's it's super interesting with all this because you know most social media is more left leaning. You have you know the right wing conspiracy groups um, and a small group, but a majority of just general users are more left leaning. And it's interesting 
you know, the policy that Twitter took on this of, you know, I think they said, well, it's unverified and hacked information. So we're going to suppress it. Um, but then they allow something like, you know, WikiLeaks, who's posted stuff for years, um, and it, it is extremely controversial. I think it's just people don't know what to expect and not having a definitive decision on something is just not a good look. And is one of the main reasons that I've avoided tech stocks like Facebook and Twitter, just because I feel like there might be some government intervention and I don't know what that is and what constitutional abilities they have to intervene in a company like that, because it's so unprecedented for, you know, we have free speech, but when do we start censoring free speech? That's just a flat out lie. And then when is it censorship for political benefit when it's possibly true or verifiably true? That's, that's the big thing for me on yeah, text uh, stocks, like Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah, just bullshit. Uh, so Manny. Yeah. Thanks. So I, I just want to go back to one thing that Kua had said uh, regarding the user submitted data versus the, the, um, content that the publisher or the, or, uh, the platform is creating or curating. Um, so there is a law in place. Uh, I don't know if it's a law or some sort of regulation or, or how, it was, how it's uh, structured in the government, but th- there's a classification of a content curator and a content creator or a news curator and a news creator. Um, and a platform like Facebook or Twitter, they classify themselves and Google, they classify themselves as a curator which allows a user to post um, content or, or news on their platform, but they don't have the power or the freedom to regulate that news um, or, or choose what users can and cannot see. And so th- this is one of the larger debates that's going on in the government, whether or not these, these companies should be classified differently. And if they're classified differently, how that's going to change the companies fundamentally, because they're going to be under a new, new um, group of regulations that are, specific to news news corporations and um, and content creators versus content curators and and social media platforms yep which takes me to my point of like if you still want to play those stocks because you see in the business intrinsically the value of what they're doing with their ad revenue and all that stuff then go ahead but in an election year you might want to tread carefully yeah, for sure all right, so this kind of leads uh, to a nice pivot point about uh, the elections in general and their impacts on the market. So uh, kind of uh, taking a step back from tech specifically, uh, I mean, again, we have the elections coming up very close. I, w- I wanted to kind of look and, and see if we could kind of frame what a historical precedent has said to, uh, you know, what – a, a, a you know a Trump victory or a Biden victory uh, would would indicate and signal for the markets and you know it's interesting from from kind of what I've been reading the last uh, maybe week or so two weeks now CNBC a, a lot of other business networks have been covering kind of this whole concept that you know and again. I think relying heavily on polls, which I'm not really a big fan of. You know, Nate Silver can go. You know, uh, but you know. They're, they're talking about this whole blue wave concept and, and how the market is now essentially trying to prepare and aim for a bullish trajectory if that were be if that were to be true. And, you know, I just if you look at, at the historical precedent for the last I mean, really going back to the 60s, 
I mean, you know, day after the election, it's it it doesn't it looks mostly red, uh, and and I I see. Uh, you know, agnostic of whether or not agnostic of party affiliation, Republican, Democrat, um, Obama, negative two percent, Obama first term, negative five percent the day after uh, Bush two negative almost two uh, uh, point and a half um, uh, Bush Reagan almost down a point. Uh, so, I mean, it's, you know, it, there's, you're, there's you're even, referring to like right after the results come out, like what the market right. Does? The, the day okay. after the election, right? This is the day after, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's uh, it, it's it's interesting because of how the conversation has shifted from, I guess, what I had previously, uh, you know, kind of assumed that the market was uh, kind of you know, pricing in a, a Trump victory and and wanting to keep that kind of bullish momentum uh, and bull run going. Uh, but but now having you know I guess pivoted to having this concept of of a of a blue sweep, which I still think is kind of uh, you know unlikely. But uh, um, but but yeah, um, it, you know I just I think that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, Hava, what, what do you got? What do you got? Uh, first of all, um, this is 2020, so uh, throw all historical trends out the window. In my personal opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also think uh, there's there's a lot to be said. I don't know if anything is going to be resolved election night, first of all. Um, you know, there's the possibility that Trump claims victory on election night if there's enough votes for him. And then we have uh, a potentially contested election. Then maybe he'll say he won't contest the election. And there's going to be a huge bullish sweep the day after. I mean, honestly, I think with the state of um, pessimism that people have for the civility with which this election will end, I could see bullishness just purely off the fact that everyone says, okay, that was the winner. Let's all go home now. And, you know, America just resumes its business being America or whatever. So that's, that's how I'm treating it right now. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's perfectly valid. I mean, 2020 such a, it's such an uno card right now, you know, I mean, uh, so yeah. Um, Kua. Yeah, um, I want to support uh, our friend here with his um, opinion in the sense that I was actually thinking the same thing. I um, I, I don't want to uh, apologize if I sound mean, but I, I, even the chart itself, where you know you see the election days and you know how the market reacted on election day and the day after, I think it's such garbage content for for users of that website and of that. Um, article itself because you don't want to look at them at the market you know just by one day you you kind of want to zoom out and see maybe the historicals to see if there's lessons there for you to learn and like i think i mentioned in our last conversation um 2020 is all about hold my beer again and and i think i'm excited about what's going to happen but i honestly don't know and uh, with polls uh poll science has gotten really good to the point where they actually predicted Hillary's success on election night last time, and they missed it by 0.10%. But we have the electoral college vote, and 30%, I think, of the votes have already been casted, and all the polls are putting Biden up uh, eight points or 8%. And I don't think the polls are actually wrong. I know that sounds crazy, 
But I think technology has gotten pretty good. The math has gotten pretty good. But that just doesn't mean because the polls are right um, that, you know, Biden is going to win. So I, I still think we're going to get some hold my beer moments here, like our friend said. And, and I don't think you should be trading on that, even though the market is. Because if you go into what happened this week and what happened into the run-up of last weekend, there's a lot of people positioning themselves in solar, in this and that, you know, place that you would think, oh, this is for a Biden win. But is he really going to win? I don't, I don't really know. Um, and there's people that are going to take that play and they're going to take that risk. And that's just not my setup. I don't want to be trading based on who's going to win the elections. I just want to trade on, on, on based on different aspects. If he wins, I'm going all in on uh, Alzheimer medication uh, companies. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good play. <laughs> yeah, cool. I, I, I completely agree with you, and, and especially moving into the election time two weeks, three weeks ahead. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some portfolios. I mean, we, we have been seeing portfolios readjusting over the past month and a half, but even more so in the, ne in the next two weeks to, to be more, more conservative. Well, the my uh, my guys over here at my uh, firm, they've just been putting more people into uh, a lot more like fixed income. They've been they had like they're taking a lot of profit on the stocks right mm -hmm. now uh, towards the election, and of course that's how they get paid because you know it's commission business. But you know they're using the election as an excuse, but it is the smart play because how much more run up can you expect from everything? So they're putting you know they're moving things into bonds right now. We just we actually just purchased a bunch of. Uh, what was it? Carnival Cruise bonds because they were mm -hmm. paying at a premium, 118. They were uh, investment grade paper, previous COVID, and now they're trading at I think 90. So, you know, a little vaccine news, some sailing. That's a good play right there. But yeah, I That's on Friday on the highs for the small caps and stuff like that, I closed all my positions, and these are positions that I was planning on holding for five years because they're growth stocks that I believe that are positioned to, you know, keep you know, going on the upside for the future, regardless of who wins. I closed everything except one position on Friday. And it's because I don't need to trade. I don't, I don't see the, 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 the need to trade on the risk of, of who's going to win. I think you uh, can find better plays out there, but that's just me being conservative. No, that's, uh, really, that's smart, man. That's, it's way too speculative. You, you can literally lose half your portfolio. You don't even know what the fuck's going to happen. I mean, I still have some yeah. plays open on like my active account, but they're they're really small. But all my portfolio accounts, I closed every all my positions, even and some of them were doing really nice. I was up thirty eight percent. I think I'm Planet thirteen, and I want to hold that for like half a year. Uh, sorry, half a decade. But but no, I just closed it. I'll 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 rebuy later. This you know, being you know said, I, I mean this happened? is this is an, in speculation that that you're you're buying the run up and selling the news and, and expecting that, that everyone else after the election is going to be selling the news and it's going to be a, lo a lot of volati volatility over the next month or so. Is, yeah, is, that, the, is that your expectation? No, and it's because people mix up volatility with risk. Mm. Volatility does not, does not equal risk, even though a lot of people try to use volatility as a way to manage or calculate risk. But just go to YouTube Find the video from um, the Plain Bagel, excellent Canadian guy, no BS. He explains to you everything real nice and just search for that. Volatility does not equal risk. And right now, I don't want to play the volatility on my portfolio. 
So I sold everything. I just kept one position open. And then once the elections are over or, or, or I see prices on the stocks that I want to hold long term that I want, price action is the most, your, the price is the most important thing. Then I might get in again. But I don't want to play. I, I just don't want to play. And this is me who I'm super bullish after the election. And I expect the small cap market to get pumped into the clouds. And then people sell their positions so they can balance their funds for the end of the year and look pretty for the year-to-day percentage sheet. And I plan to to play that run-up, but right now, we're heading into the elections. I don't need to unless I see a price that I'm okay with holding, you know, through that volatility or through that risk. Um, and and I see it on solar. I'm a little I'm a little worried about solar for the friends for our friends that are on FSLR. Because the, our market is a really fair market and it's functioning. And that run-up, just straight going to the moon, like it already passed the moon. It's going to Mars. The market and the algos, they tend to, to, to um, punish that heavily. And um, until somebody doesn't walk out into the basement and go to the machine and go turn it off, no, we're going to let this thing run because we actually want to participate in this position too. Like you're going to get clapped. And that happened with all the people that, that were shorting Zoom last week. Oh, no, no, no. To extend it, to extend it. Well, guess what? It's, it's nah. somebody to think it is. So uh, you're going to get it. Went to hell 500. It was a uh, good night. Just went to the other one. <laughs> Wise, before you jump in, I just wanted to mention the uh, there, there, there are a couple of stimulus bills that have been passed on, on the state level for solar energy, especially I, I, uh, I'm, I'm in Arizona right now. And there was a, a stimulus bill that was passed recently that allowed free installation and first six months of utility bills paid for if you install solar on your on your house. So there, there is there is a lot of a lot of bullish, bullish activity. No, and not only that, the fundamentals. Have you guys seen the the installing the kilowatts per hour that have been installed this year versus twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen? The fundamentals is there. I just don't want to play it as a oh, if Biden wins, that's that's not my setup. You're saying and, in terms I, of the the Green New Deal type of play? Yeah, yeah, I, that's Did not my setup. But the fundamentals yeah. are there. Uh, wise, you want to go ahead? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm glad you guys kind of brought this up because I think there's a new generation of stocks that are going to emerge over the next decade. Um, and I'd love your opinion because I know some of you have more, you know, it's your day to day job in this. Um, with the Green New Deal and the environment, you know, we've had the travel stock run up over the last couple of years, then the electric vehicles, then big tech during the pandemic, seaweed. Seaweed stock. I don't know if you, uh, there's no real true stock out there yet. It's like weed stocks, but uh, seaweed is one of those things that you really don't hear a lot about right now. And it is truly phenomenal what I think this is going to become. And the first stock that really comes out that is dedicated 100% to this, I'm going to put a ton of money into. Uh, is anybody familiar with yes. seaweed uh, and its benefits? Well, okay, awesome. Uh, all I got to say is I love the Kirkland Signature. It's not too salty, uh, but you get it in the jumbo pack <laughs> and calls on Costa. So. No, but his, play, his place on the genetics and on the biofuels that can be created. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. Yeah. yeah no. But all it's in not on just that. But it's it's so a- many Exxon different Mobile's, things. Um, oh, yeah, Mobile's research own, team. It's the genetics of the food that you can create, the energy that you can create, the sustainability of like. Um, different water ponds and stuff like, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I'm going to give you a ticker right now, AQB. 
AQB is basically the same play, but for Salmon. And Sal go, okay. go, yeah, go read about AQB and what they're trying to do. And you'll understand that, yes, disruptive technologies accelerate in markets very fast when there is a lot of uncertainty or when we have black swans events. We're going from pandemic into endemic and all these stocks, your Zoom, your Tesla, your AQB, your um, what else in, is in her portfolio? Um, your 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 Facebooks, your FSLYs, and stuff like that are going to be huge winners because they're all disruptive technologies. And unfortunately, the way that markets sometimes work for these type of disruptive technologies is that they don't they don't get in until it's like until the until you just have to because you go like yeah we were speculating all these years that electrical cars were trash you know i guess i guess this contactless selling and the whole infrastructure system now does make sense and then they run up and they run up massively and they create new lows that's just yeah. how the works because the market are used to the market is a casino that was created by boomers they they don't they don't look into that stuff. They look into like, okay, what's your balance sheet? Okay, what's the dividend? And what's your PE? What's your future PE? And what's your um, market balance? And how many shares are floating? Oh, okay, here's my formula. Let's go. And that's value investing. And and we're not interested in that, right? We we're more interested exactly. in growth. Uh, PE doesn't yeah. even like, matter nowadays anyway. Tesla has a thousand PE. You know, it's like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah I mean but it, but it is it's so interesting seeing these guys and and like i said they're disruptive but it's also like sure the boomers want to see you know hard numbers and mm -hmm. you know sustainability but it's it, seaweed and all this solar and wind power stuff it it is the future but it, it is it is amazing when you really dig into it you know we have the united states has more water than it does land and the cost for a seaweed farm is minimal. I mean, there's going to be, it's going to be the next, you know, big thing. And it goes into food and medicine. The global warming crisis that we have can be answered. 99% reductions in carbon emission um, from cows that were fed, you know, algae and seaweed. It's, it's just this amazing crop. They're having these mm -hmm. sustained ecosystems and these farms. You know, it's not using farmland. You know, cattle and stuff takes up more farmland than, you know, our grain. It, it's it's really interesting. And like I said, as soon as a stock uh, is out there, and, I, and I'm sure there's going to be a big investor, because it's a very minimal, like twenty to $30,000 to get your own seaweed farm going. There's going to be somebody big out there. And there's an opportunity for somebody because the, the hardest barrier to entry is the processing plants. So, like I said, this is going to be a whole other industry along with, you know, weed stocks and over the next decade as it becomes, you know, weed stocks more legal. But seaweed as more people become knowledgeable. It's, you know, it's, Kathy Woods, Kathy Woods was in what um, Goldman Sachs for three decades or four. And then she started ARK Investments and her fund is all about disruptive technologies and she has been proven right for five years straight and she and all her holdings are doing amazing the problem with the disruptive technologies and and that's all i'm saying is that the markets don't adopt them quick they usually adapt them in moments of you know black swan events or pandemics or downturns etc because then they see the value in 
doing things different. So that's that's all I'm saying. That's like, just be careful when it comes out. I think you should still play it. I'm probably going to play it, but I don't expect, you know, returns, you know, on the first year. I expect that that's kind of like a, 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 a long hold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, 2025. I just read, read an article about that. Yo, Tesla, nobody has said anything new about Tesla. They've been, all the bull cases are still the same from like five years ago, but look at what Tesla happened. It took 10 years for it to, you know, yeah. take off. And now if you weren't in, it, it might be too late for some of them. Uh, so, that, that's yeah. about Mr. Uh, Mr. Short Squeeze too, though. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't want to talk about Tesla necessarily. I'm just saying disruptive technologies don't get picked up immediately, but I think there's value in them. Of course, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hava, did you uh, have something? Uh, yeah, I know... Um... Last week, we talked about how, uh, you know, dot-com bubble is not the same now because they have the ability to actually do what they've been talking about doing. Um, that is not any more less true in biotech. Uh, there was an equally big biotech bubble in the late 90s going into the millennia. Um, and, you know, biotech talked about the things 20 years ago that they can actually do now that almost any startup can find a technology and uh, blow it out of the water. So yeah, I mean, this seaweed thing, I mean, there's going to be bioengineering, there's going to be biofuels, there will be uh, changes to agriculture, probably. I mean, gene therapy is now becoming a common treatment. And that's just crazy to say even out loud. Um, So yeah, read your science journals. Uh, find out which companies they are because um, before a lot of them used to be bullshit and you know you'd get totally reamed on whatever claims they were making that's not the same anymore they can actually do these things they can scale it up they they have the research they have the computing capability they have the genetic capability to actually change the technology landscape way farther than we ever thought it could go yeah no, I I, abs- I absolutely agree, and and I I loved last week our conversation on this because uh, I thought it was really interesting, and I, I thought I, th- I think if you really look into the minutia of the tech bubble and what some of these tech IPOs in tech startups in ninety eight ninety nine you know early two thousand were doing, and you know with the extreme infancy of you know infancy of the internet and. Uh, you know what 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 they were trying to propose you know it, it's wild to to to, de- to to compare to today and and like you said you know they actually have the means to do these things now and i you know to to your point uh, about biotech com- completely agree i mean really a lot of a lot of uh, 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 sectors have uh, been, look, look at um, computer hardware i mean if you uh, uh, te- um consumer electronic peripheral uh consumer sector hardware i mean that 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 in the 80s uh i mean a lot lots a lot of startups got way ahead of themselves they got ahead of where the technology was um you know and uh you know it was kind of like a craze or a theme and then you know uh everybody uh, was laughing at them but who's laughing now well that's true that's true but i mean you know it's just it kind of always happens when like the industry uh or uh you know uh, business gets ahead of where actual nuts and bolts science is, you know, and it's a more of a marketing thing than an actual doing thing. And I, and I think right now we're in an interesting, cool 
situation with where technology is where we're actually seeing, oh, that's cool. Oh, but it's actually working. And here's the prototype, you know, we'll be to market in a year or, you know, we'll be profitable in three years or something like that. And I think that's really cool. Uh, Smanny, what, what do you got? Yeah. So one of the really interesting things about looking at new industries and, and pop-up industries like the the solar industry, the uh, electric car industry, the um, like you were talking about, the seaweed industry and all these all these other new sort of emerging technologies that haven't been fully tested. We don't we don't fully understand the um, the lifelong repercussions or the lifelong benefits of, of these types of technologies and, and the industries. But w- one of the really interesting things that investors can look at and um, and analysts are looking at is the peripheral markets that these these emerging markets and emerging technologies create or, or benefit. Um, it, just, just off the top of my head, in terms of EV and um, and solar panels, the the um, uh, rare metals, the recycling plants, the um, all all these different types of industries that that aren't really at the forefront of news, but are benefiting just as much as the as the underlying technology is benefiting. So you're talking about the case of the shovel. You don't necessarily need to trade the industry per se, but maybe you can sell the shovel. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, great, great point about rare earth metals. I mean, this is a thing that in the, in the nineties or the late eighties, we produced like, what was it like a hundred percent or like 90% of rare earths in, in the world, just because we were the only ones using them and creating some of these things and maybe exporting to, 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 to some countries. But, you know, now it's like, we do like, like, like five percent you know and 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 it's just boomed so massively and uh uh also like just uh you know recycling of of uh of of things like that um but yeah it's it's uh it's interesting um all right so let's see what else we have um fastly did we talk about fastly this week yeah i don't think so so fastly 30% 30% up on forward so, guidance. So Fastly dropped 35% um, or as much as how much? As much as 40% at one point. Yeah, for a second on there. A, on a um, forward guidance reduction from 49% uh, revenue growth to 40% revenue growth, which yeah, is so um, interesting. Yes. And one, one of the big no- notable um, announcements that they made was that most of their revenue loss was a 5% drop or, or a slight, a slight drop in the usage of the platform by TikTok, which is a, which is their largest customer. I think that their TikTok is, accounts for like 20% or 12% of their, um, of their total usage, total, total revenue. But wasn't the forward guidance just like by a few billion, sorry, by a few million dollars and then their market cap went down by billions. Like it was yeah, hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> so one of one of the really um, interesting things that are coming out of, out of this, and a lot of the analysts are milking it to the bone, absolutely to the bone. I think that was one of the reasons people became bearish. Was is the fact that we're the retail investors are starting to realize that these valuations for these companies that are these sort of um, uh, companies that analysts are, are calling unlimited upside potential, which basically just translates to uh, low operating costs for high profit margin <laughs> and a lot of un, 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 um, uh, untouched customer base. Um, they're realizing that maybe these early on valuations aren't 
as sustainable as we thought they were. And uh, I mean, the, the, the corporate, the, I mean, not the corporations, the um, market makers are milking the, um, the retail, pro- the retail uh, hype, but the, the retail is, is now starting to, to realize this. And, and I mean, it's being, it's, it's being uh, uh, perpetuated by the, these analysts that are finally coming out and, and putting warning on these stocks. That being said, I mean, a lot of these valuations do have merit. And the growth rate of these these companies are still the, uh, similar to the growth rate of private startup companies. So it's it's not unlikely that these companies will grow into their their valuation. I just saw it as a case of like the market's just working. And that too, I, I like but that. you don't see a thirty five percent drop overnight no, 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 on Ford no, no. guidance. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think obviously it's a little bit too much to. I think it was an overreaction out of a fundamental, but at the same time, it had just run up so much. And I understand that a lot of people or a lot of big money was doing the whole, well, if Biden wins or if this one wins, or if it doesn't matter if any of the two wins, the COVID numbers are going up again. I understand that it was still a COVID play in, in my head, at least. It's just that you you don't... You don't go up like that so sharply and not expect to take profit. <laughs> like, like things don't just go to the moon and then go to Mars and then go to Pluto. Like there's, <laughs> there's this thing called, you know, taking profit. And, and I feel bad when people are like, oh, my God, my Peloton is going down. And like, really? Like, are you surprised? You just went up 40 points. Yeah, like, it's, like it's, a, it's a fucking bike. Take profit. <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you you even Becky has to get off the bike sometimes and go take her Instagram <laughs> selfie. Right, right. So it's like, what do you guys expect in the stock market? You just buy in and then it just go ups indefinitely. Like, yes, stocks go up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like playing the overreactions though, so I'm just glad that the MJ sector had an overreaction and that FSLY and some of the COVID plays are having an overreaction because I am not trying to catch most of the move. Um, uh, PLNHF, I want to hold for five or six years, planning 13 holdings. It's in the MJ sector, but it's in the MJ sector with a different twist. They actually have a superstore. Like this thing is like as big as Dave Sports in, you know, Dallas, Texas, but it's right there smack in the middle of the strip in, in, in Nevada, the company's being run by like in the board, like they have the ex-major of Nevada, of, of the ex-governor of Nevada, I believe, and the major of Las, ex-major of Las Vegas. And they have all the their farmlands in Canada and they're opening dispensaries in California now. And so they're not only a superstore, they have the top, uh, the top 10 brands of, of most sales, like in their store is actually made and marketed and packed by themselves. They sell a wholesale marijuana to dispensaries in different states. So, the, and then they got, they secured a loan to be able to, to open five more superstores. So if this company is worth the millions that it's worth now with just one superstore and one dispensary, I mean, imagine when they open five more superstores in markets like Atlanta, of Dallas, uh, Denver, et cetera. I think it's going to be huge. All the fundamentals are there for it to be huge by, you know, um, uh, 2025. At the same time, we know that MJ, like FSLY and a lot of the COVID plays had a run up, you know, this week because a lot of people want to play on the risk of who wins the election and what laws are going to get passed and that MJ's on the ballot for a whole bunch of states. But 
man, I'm going to be real. Something goes parabolic. I'm just going to take my money and wait on the pullback and then I'll go in again. So even though I'm interested in holding these for a really long time, my MJ stocks. So right now I'm playing PLNHF on the Canadian market. You know, it went parabolic. Okay, cool. Even on a gap up, you know, from overnight. Yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to take my money because at the end of the day, I know how the algos trade these stocks and the algos see small cap, they see small profit, they see this, they do their calculations. And once it goes parabolic, they hammer it down. And then with my new profit, I can then big build a bigger position on the pullback. And that's why I'm recommending people to not try to catch all the move, try to just catch some of the move. Right, right. Uh, Leo, did you uh, have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I added the chart for Fastly with uh, some levels in the uh on the board. Um, I'll probably look, I'll probably look at it this week, maybe try to play it. Uh, I like, I like the, uh, I guess $85 area. It looks like it's holding. We'll see what it does pre-market. I don't know, but I'm assuming it's going to bounce up, but if it does bounce up and it breaks, I don't know, above 95, that's a big ass fucking gap that it just dropped. So I don't know if it's going to, I don't think it's just going to jump like freaking, you know, $30 and fill the gap, but I don't know. I think it's it might, it might it might bounce though. It might be like a dead cat. I don't know if it's to continue down, but I don't know. It's a good play though. I'm gonna play that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm buying it around eighty five two, and I did. So I'm kind of holding along for end of year, and yeah, I'm just good, gonna definitely good buy. Because since it's still, yeah, it's a it it has a pretty big valuation. I wouldn't necessarily call this a small cap anymore. No, definitely. Uh, but it trades, but the but it trades still the volatility like a small cap, and volatility is not risk, and I'm liking it. I, I like that. As if I'm not sure about a site, I can just buy a strangle on Monday and then close one of the sites profitable, or like it happened last week, which was really weird. I actually was able to close the long side profitable and the upside thirty three thousand percent. That's crazy. But yeah, every time, every time this thing so far it's done it one, two, three. Now it's the fourth time. Every every time it's touched the uh, eighty-seven to eighty-dollar range, it always bounces up and like jumps like towards the hundreds again. So it's done it like this is the fourth time right now. So if it was yes. to break this area, you know, it'd be a big deal because then probably would go lower towards fifty dollars. Where there, it would be super. It'd be a super long bet. Like that's that's an easy play right there. But I doubt it's going to go there because, you know, it's it's in the cloud. It's, it's a cloud-based whatever. And it's a big – definitely going to be a big buy, in my opinion. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying the volatility on it. I'm not playing the short side this week, but I'm definitely already positioned long. Yeah. Uh, Samani? Oh, that was a, a leftover. Ah, okay. No worries. Uh, I, I will add though that I I did buy FSLY uh, probably a little bit too high. I bought it at the uh, eighty nine dollar level, uh, I, but I do have room to average down. So if if it does look good this week, then I may average down a little bit. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, interesting. So you have shares, right? Shares. Yeah, I think uh, I think shares give you give you you know they give you some wiggle room. Yeah, unfortunately, maybe you'll have your capital tied up a little bit there for a little bit, but I don't know. It's it's I I believe that this still is kind of like a, a good long term play until what I'm worried about FSLY on the fundamental side is that if they don't keep growing their other parts of their business, you know, server security, 
um, other bringing in other clients and stuff like that. And then FSLY equals TikTok. That's what I'm worried about. If FSLY equals TikTok, then I would be worried. Then. Does that, do you agree with that, Leo? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I agree that it's probably going to go to 50 and then it's just going to be training based yeah. on technicals purely then. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's what I'm worried about. So I think if you're an investor like you are right now, Smantia, I don't think you're in a bad spot. Uh, I just think um, necessarily you just have to watch that and make sure that their board and CEO are moving the company in the right direction. And if they're not, then yeah, definitely get out. You also have earnings coming up uh, October 28th. Oh, earnings. We should talk about that, um, Evox. Have you noticed that the, the earnings play? I think I mentioned it last week. It's, it's, there, there's no earnings play anymore. The, basically, the play is it doesn't matter if, if earnings are good. Like, it still sells. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're running a little tight on time. I did want to talk about a couple other things before final trades. Um, uh, the stimulus, we already talked about uh, some political things, but we, we don't seem like we're going to get stimulus until after the election. Uh, and I think we're starting, kind of seeing that across the market. Uh, and then the Robinhood story, uh, we had that, uh, this week as well. The, the, the hackers, uh, uh, the, the, uh, compromised, uh, accounts. It was a couple thousand. Uh, did, did everyone hear about that? Yeah. I mean, you've seen Robinhood, you're already getting hacked, right? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Expectation. I know. I, I was going to say, I don't know what is, what else is there to opine about that, other than the fact that just don't use Robinhood. You know, uh, no, I think um, I think Robinhood's a good stuff and a good platform. It's brought a lot of retail uh, to the market. Um, it's, it's you know, its user face is awesome. You know, can it be hacked easily and all that shit? Probably, but I don't know. Definitely a lot of stupid people who join the market with it too. So it's a good and bad. Yeah, 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 I love the UI and the the user experience, and I think it's really good when it's working correctly. But I mean, if you're if you're trying to do things that as a little bit more seriously, I think you need to you know move up to some, something more established, even if it looks boring. Yeah, Meritrade is the, in my opinion, my favorite. Yeah, I'll, I like uh, I like TD. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, support we get for like something like Thinkorswim, uh, one of TD's products with the Schwab, uh, uh, the the Schwab uh, merger. Uh, so you know, I I got an email uh, about saying their commitment about supporting Toss, uh, but you know that doesn't necessarily mean permanent support of, of another, of, of, of a product that, you know, they didn't create. So who knows, maybe they'll merge it to their other platform, Schwab's platform, street smart edge. And probably, uh, probably, you know, probably not going to do shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, they, they might not, you know, so yeah. Um, so uh, cool. Well, uh, let's wrap it up and do final trades. Uh, one, more, one more note about Robin. I don't know if you knew it actually, they just beat uh, all the other um, institutions in terms of uh, opened accounts. Well, that's probably just because of how easy it is. I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's like they, uh, the average user on Robinhood, um, even though they had more accounts, is actually, I think they said uh, 5K and under in terms of their balance. But you got guys like Schwab who are, I think, a little bit under, and their average user is 250K and up. So that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people on people on Schwab and, and TD Ameritrade, they're, you know, it's like, you know, people who are funding real accounts, whereas a lot of Robinhood investors, they might dip their toe in it, you know, buy some. And also I will say uh, how Schwab has been making a note of the whole fractional shares concept, but I think Robinhood, you know, 
kind of got ahead of the curb with that, with uh, with supporting that. That they did that several months before, I think Schwab and. So uh, I just want to jump in. Fractional shares is a gimmick. It's meant for dividend reinvestments, and all all um, <laughs> all ETF fund and ind- index fund style investment services that these larger companies offer do have that already. It's just the individual companies. And and so it's, it's a gimmick on the, on the Robinhood yeah, thank platform. Thank you for calling it how it is. It's a marketing gimmick. Stupid. Yeah. I've seen some guy that they actually post like an Instagram story. He literally bought, I don't know how much, but it was like a fraction. I think it was like $40 worth of Zoom stock. And he wanted to post that to the public. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you make off that? Five cents? Like, what, 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 yeah, what yeah, yeah. Like, I don't get it. Well, but- and that's the thing is if you're actually going to make money, I mean, if the concept is like long-term investment and making like real, like a, making money off of it, if you're putting a substantial amount of money into, you know, uh, into an account that would support fractional shares and you're, you're actually spreading that amount, uh, about between many different companies, why not just buy the shares? Why not just buy a whole single share? I mean, it's, it is, it is, it is, dollar cost average but you know i don't get why you're dollar cost averaging let's say when the shit is like all-time highs like i don't know yeah it's not for me i'm not doing but, but going, going back to what i said though it's it's about dividend reinvestment so a lot of people on Robinhood and these platforms they like the idea of creating a dividend portfolio and they don't want to reinvest uh, manually their their dividends so they just let it ride and so that's what a lot of people do on on etfs um but it's it's not as as widely prevalent on on individual stocks right all right well with that let's go to final trades and uh yeah now it's time for final trades all right so uh this week i have a bunch of different positions that i entered in and swung over the weekend um i did play zoom on uh thursday and friday uh i sold a little too early uh so i was really i missed out on 560 540s really i i you know i I really should have uh, kind of, I mean, I've been studying Zoom for so long and it's been in that really, it's been really fueling up, you know, for, for this launch for so long. We had the upgrade news on uh, uh, Tuesday or maybe it was even last week, the 550 upgrade. And then, then on Tuesday, I learned they had something called Zoomtopia, which was like an online Zoom conference, I guess, which would otherwise have been a physical conference that you know, would have been probably in like Vegas or someplace, but it was all held on Zoom. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I think they they also announced a lot of things. There's a uh, there's a way that you can monetize a Zoom call, so you can like host like let's say if you're like a yoga instructor, you could like sell access to a Zoom call and like be a teacher and then like have people's you know like pay to have access to like so a couple different interesting things that they launched, they announced, uh, during that. So I, you know, I, I think with that, with the upgrade, I mean, I could, I could honestly see it do kind of like a Netflix and, and run to 600. I mean, I'm, I'm, and especially with the, uh, the buy rating that we're seeing right now, uh, even at 560 and 550, you know, I, I could definitely see it running to, to 600. So I might, I, I want to see how Monday plays out, but I mean, I, I'm still a little, uh, I'm a little bullish on, on zoom, uh, ARKW. We talked about that in the discord. Uh, this was on maybe Thursday or Friday. Um, 
kind of a technology ETF of uh, of a lot of different uh, companies we play. Tesla, I think, is a major uh, percentage of that. Uh, I'm on. I'm in Baba because that was called out. They're close to all time highs, but it's a strong buy now on TradingView and a couple of other uh, platforms. Uh, so I. What's that? Oh, what's up? Oh, sorry. I, I thought you were uh, saying something. No, I was uh, making a joke because I told you about Baba. Remember? Oh, what was it? Remember, I told you I was like, it's by all time high. You should freaking swing it. Yeah, well, I I did. I did the three twelve point five October thirtieth uh, call, oh, and I mean that that last fifteen minutes really fucked me. I'm negative on it, you know, but oh, yeah. but. Uh, I mean, the, I, by one cent, it was being a bitch. Yeah, I mean that whole last ten minutes. I mean that that that's fine. I think some selling is fine. It's 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 you know it is what it is. I, I'm 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 eager and excited for for Monday. I think we we should see uh, some some uh, continued moonage on that. But uh, Facebook, I'm in. Um, they seem like they're pretty good right now i mean they, they've been uh kind of drilling uh since about 271 intraday high on friday uh so i got back in just for the run-up again on that and nio i've been holding because they they kind of uh they've been running up to the 30 dollar mark so i have a 30 dollar november 6 call and then i'm in a bunch of shares uh like i said arkw and tqqq so that's beautiful uh, arkw is beautiful yeah uh Kua, what are you in um, so I want to go, I went mostly cash, um, just because I don't want to play any more of the volatility <laughs> regulation game. But like I said last week, I think everything is accelerated. So that, you know, end of year pump, we might actually just see it like right after the election, you know, going into Thanksgiving week. So last minute, right before market closed, I positioned myself um, long on Piton long on FSLY and long on SPY. And I don't feel 100% confident with the SPY long, but the thing is, is that it didn't even touch the 340 line. It bounced off around like 344, 346 immediately. So it's still trading inside that channel. So I, I kind of want to see if I can catch some of this upside on towards the election, because even though I think we agree that the stimulus bill won't get passed um, before the election. They're still trying to get like some kind of smaller bill in through. So their promise of, you know, quantitative easing, you know, from the Fed and, you know, support from the government capital here, Hill, I think there's still some of that sentiment there. And in my essence, in my mind, and I learned this from a friend uh, over at the other Discord, the stimulus bill right now the, just the promise of it or the talks about a smaller bill and stuff, uh, stuff like that is the stimulus bill. So as uh, the market functions as a forward-looking device, um, I'm trading that basically hype. And then at some point, if I'm right, then I just plan to sell off and not take all the move. I just want to be part of the move. But mostly I'm just holding cash yes, and, and, then, and then waiting and then waiting until we're done with all the uncertainty and then definitely I want to position myself in other longs other than the stock that I'm holding to, you know, squeeze that, that, that end of year drop and then just go cash and be ready for 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Cash is king. And I think, uh, especially with the uncertainty going into the election, uh, it's going to be 
uh, particularly important. Uh, cool. Uh, Wise, what do you got cooking? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I've uh, been in travel stocks for quite a while now. Um, think airlines, specifically Carnival, uh, more long-term plays share-wise, um, but also uh, GE. GE is, um, I think, an unforgotten stock. I mean, there's a lot of potential still there. Home sale, new home sales are up. People are renovating uh, that aren't moving to new homes, and GE makes a tons of appliances. And uh, once airlines pick back up, I think they're bound for a great recovery. And then uh, obviously Hertz. Hertz is a, a dangerous one, but you know, throw a couple hundred bucks at it and see what happens. So what you're saying is it, <clears throat> it's a great day for travel. It is always a great day for travel. If it's a green day, you made money. If it's a red day, it's a great day to buy. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Leo, what do you got cooking? What do you, what, what do you swing? Uh, where are you holding right now? I'm actually, I actually closed everything Friday. I was, uh, swinging, uh, Neo, I think I played the run up from. What the fuck was that? Uh, was that thirteenth of October? What was that? Friday. No, that was the sixteenth. No, whatever. I think it was Tuesday. But yeah, I played the run up from like twenty something to twenty five. I think that was I left for the two days. And I played some Apple earlier, but yeah, other than that, I think I took a loss on, uh, what was it, uh, BA on Friday, and then took a loss on Apple, but then I made some money on a Carnival uh, Lotto, but yeah, I closed everything, that's about it. I'm looking at nice. Spy, who said they got Spy Calls? I, I don't. Uh, I played spy puts on last Friday, but yeah. Does anyone have spy calls? Was it cool? You think? Yeah, I think Kuwait said he was buying. Yeah, well, I think that's actually a pretty good uh, end of day uh, buy because yeah, I got spy calls because it didn't it didn't even retest the three forty. So I might be wrong, but no, no. I think that was a good play. Yeah, three forty seven. Yeah, three forty seven and a half. If you look at the one hour, it actually fills the gap. From uh, October twelfth, so it might yeah, that's some, exactly what I saw. yeah, it might be a good pop. It might even like crack a new high after that. Respect. All I know is that, it, like I said, everything's like accelerated. So I feel like it's at the bottom of this channel again. And when it pops, it it's it's wanna wanna go to three seventy or three eighty. And I kind of wanna just even if it's a small position, I just wanna be part of that run yeah, if it happens. It's a good play. My prediction is elections is gonna make us pop to a new high and then i think it's you're going to see the real pop i think we're i think the market is going to drop but we're going to make a new high first that's my prediction by the before the end of the year uh, i would say like within november to december but i don't know how high we're going to go that's my I'm not yeah, here. right right interesting huh yeah. uh have a, what do you got cooking so i'm finally like solvent again in my life thanks to the hertz play um, congrats again to all of us. <laughs> uh, so I delevered myself um, for probably the first time in my life. Uh, I got some RTX shares. It's not like uh, Ron Paul is one of the candidates, so missiles aren't going anywhere. Um, I have Neo shares. Uh, I have Workhorse shares. I don't know how long I'll hold Workhorse, but if um, what is it, UPS or USPS, I can't remember which, but, you know, it's like an $8.1 billion deal that they postponed to the end of the year. 
that's the only reason they're down. Um, I thought it was a great buying opportunity, so I got workhorse. Um, and then uh, besides my um, return to stocks, I went completely degenerate on my options play. And uh, I'm playing 105, 110 spreads on Fastly for next week. Um, if there's one thing that I thought I learned from the pandemic, and I could be proven wrong, is that uh, while nothing is making money besides tech, no tech stock that actually has a balance sheet gets left behind. So I think there's going to be a complete gold rush on Fastly next week. Um, I could be entirely wrong, but I saw ARK buy it. You know, Kua's opened my eyes to ARK. I think if there's enough hype and they're like, well, earnings just around the corner, I want to be in at the higher price, it might just do a, a straight run-up. But we'll see. I mean, I, I think Fastly might actually come out with some damage control press release too, which sometimes is enough to just bump it. Um, and maybe I just run out at that point. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it for me. Nice, nice. Sounds like some good plays. Yeah, I wish I had gotten on Hertz. It seems like everyone played uh, played Hertz. Uh, Smanny, what do you got cooking? Yeah, I made a couple of bad plays this week, but uh, <laughs> I, I bought uh, DKNG um, a little bit too close to the top. So I'm bag holding that right now. Uh, luckily, I bought shares. I'm writing some covered calls on them, lowering my cost average, and um, it's going to end up being a longer-term hold than I anticipated. They actually did a stock um, stock offering at $52 a share. Let's see what else I have. I bought into RKT this week, bought into Snapchat this week, and bought into FSLY this week. FSLY, I don't know if I'm going to hold that long-term, but I, I do anticipate it going back up. Snapchat, I think, is a, a good play right here. They're... Um, continually coming out with with technology that's going to um, rival TikTok and, and Instagram. I know they just came out with another music overlay technology that uh, they're trying to take some share away from TikTok. So I think they're still a long-term hold. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I've heard some some int- uh, some activity about uh, Snap uh, them doing some things. I mean, I I think initially when they did their IPO and it kind of flopped, you know, I and this whole Snap Spectacles thing came out. That was kind of like a I don't know. I, I hadn't heard really much uh, about that, but uh, um, after after that, you know, real initial craze. But uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see uh, what uh, what that where that takes them. Well, cool, guys. Thanks uh, for a great panel, as always. Uh, I want to thank everyone, and uh, we'll just leave it at that, and uh, see you guys next time. All right. Thanks. Please consider all risks, trades, and objectives carefully. Outcast Trading is not financial advisor and does not recommend or condone any particular trade. 